Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm going to chat through some common food intolerances that leave you with super upset guts and how you can handle them. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is The Daily Dollop Podcast, and my name's Kate Freeman. I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of The Healthy Eating Hub and the Healthy Eating Clinic. And fun fact about me is that I hate earwax. It's so gross and foul and I just, of all the bodily functions, earwax irks me the most, especially when it's like crusted onto apple earbuds. Oh, even if it's my own earwax. Oh, I can't deal. I just can't handle it. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of vomit. But vomit and earwax, I don't know what I'd rather touch. It, earwax just has a weird smell. Anyway, I really hate it. What are, what are the bodily fluids that you guys hate? Hit me up on social. I'd love to know if I'm the only one who is irked by earwax. But let's get on to talking about irksome things. And this is gut troubles. Loose, sloppy stools, squirty McSquirts, squirt bloating, farting, gurgling, right? Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're constipated and you haven't been to the toilet in days and days and you're in pain and your back, you know, your tummy's distended, right? You're feeling bug, maybe a little bit nauseous. Hello, hello to the world of food intolerances. Now, I have to be super honest with you guys. Now, I can empathize with people who have food intolerances, but I don't truly know what you're going through because I don't actually have an allergy or an intolerance to anything. I can pretty much eat anything. Actually, I just thought of something which made me a liar. Sometimes when I drink red wine, it makes me flush. So there's a small intolerance there. So there you go. That's my that's my only issue with food. And so I super can empathize with my clients over the years who've had gut issues because sometimes these intolerances are so debilitating and crippling that the person is afraid to, to you know to leave their house or you know if they're not sure where the bathroom is, they won't go to a particular place or after time, things like travel, etc, right? It's, it can be a really, really stressful place to be in. So if this is you, then this episode for you, I hope to um, point you in the right direction of getting some help and support. Now, before you listen to this episode, I would actually encourage you, if you haven't already, to listen to my previous episode a few weeks ago where I chatted about the difference between a food allergy and a food intolerance. This is a really important distinction because they are not the same thing and how you manage them are different and, and their symptoms are different, etc. And so, right, 
A food intolerance is often an intolerance to the carbohydrate portion of the food or a food chemical, which I'll talk about later on in the show, whereas an allergy is an allergic immune response to a protein portion of the food. So it's really important that one, you either seek medical help to to find out whether it's an allergy or an intolerance and two, yeah, start to think about your symptoms a little bit more uh, to, to know what's the right thing. Yeah, what's the right diagnosis for you? So this episode isn't intended to be a diagnostic tool, but it's just to help you understand some common food intolerances and how to go about managing them. It is really, really important that if you do have any ongoing gastrointestinal issues that you seek um, advice from your GP, rule out anything sinister, any gut diseases, um, abnormalities, etc., and then go and chat to an accredited practicing dietitian who specializes in this stuff. Um, this is Claire Wolski on my team and she's fabulous at this. But let's get stuck into some common food intolerances and how we go about managing them. So the first one is FODMAPs. You may have actually heard this term before. So it's an acronym and it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Now, these are types of carbohydrates and they're found naturally in many foods and they also can be added to foods as well. And so over a number of years now, there's been a lot of research done that's found that a low FODMAP diet, so reducing the amount of these carbohydrates in your diet, is the best way to manage symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. And actually following the low FODMAP diet and doing the complementary challenge protocol can help people discover exactly which foods they're intolerant to and help them manage them better. People are rarely intolerant to all of the FODMAPs. So they're just often intolerant to one or a couple of them. And so by the time the person has one completed the low FODMAP diet and then done the full challenge protocol with their dietitian, and I'll chat about that in a second, they will know one, exactly what foods to limit and avoid. And two, they should also know their tolerance level, which is the dose that they can manage. And so, you know, for example, lactose is a carbohydrate. It's a sugar naturally found in cow's milk. If you are intolerant to lactose, you lack the sufficient enzyme to break it down. So you either have only small amounts of the enzyme being created by the body or no enzyme. And so it's very dose dependent. And so you might be able to handle a bit of milk in your tea, so a dash of milk in the tea. But if you were to have a a big milky coffee from a cafe, that's too much milk and that would lead you to symptoms. And so that's what I mean about the dose. So you'd know, one, yep, it's lactose that's a problem for me. And two, I know how much lactose I can handle from a portion of milk so that then I can manage that long term. One of the things that's super common is that many people feel that they're intolerant to gluten. However, you just need to interpret this with a little bit of caution because gluten is actually a protein which is often not what we're intolerant to. It's the carbohydrates and we're often allergic to proteins. So 
Gluten's a protein, it's not a carbohydrate, which means it doesn't cause problems in your digestive tract unless you have celiac disease, which is a condition where gluten activates your immune system and starts to damage your gastrointestinal tract. And it's an allergy, actually, not an intolerance. Now, there is some research around non-celiac gluten sensitivity. I actually... I'll be super honest with you. I, you know, I'm a nutrition expert, but I haven't looked into the research around that. So I can't comment in on that today. And so it's there's potentially individuals who have can't have gluten and they don't have celiac disease, but you do need to interpret this with caution. Because what's interesting about a suspected gluten intolerance is that many of the foods that contain gluten, so grains, wheat, um, etc., also contain a, a FODMAP called fructans, which is an oligosaccharide. And it's more likely that it's the, the fructan that's causing your symptoms, not the gluten. But of course, once you cut out the gluten-containing food, you reduce the fructans and your symptoms go away. So it's easy to think it was the gluten. And that's why it's important to just, you know, don't make hard and fast conclusions without talking to a professional first because food's a mixture of nutrients and, and chemicals. And so it's potentially um, not the gluten at all. And so um, basically, if you can tolerate a small amount of gluten, like a cracker, but you can't have a whole sandwich, um, maybe it's not the gluten in itself. Maybe it's just the gluten containing foods and the other things in those foods that is causing your symptoms. So it's, it is worth just investigating this a little bit further with your dietitian. And so the challenge with the low FODMAP diet is that this diet is not meant to be followed long term. The idea is, is that you take out all the FODMAPs and get your FODMAP intake as low as possible. Hopefully your symptoms go away. If they do go away, excellent. Then what we want to do is challenge. So add in a FODMAP one at a time, really systematically and map your symptoms out. And you've got to do this with a dietitian. We are not very good scientists all on our own. We're not objective enough. One of the things that the dietitian is great is helping you really systematically work your way through this process so that you can get a great outcome and not waste your time. The second in common intolerance is food chemicals. Now I've talked about putting my son on a low chemical diet before and we found that he's intolerant to a food chemical known as amines. So this is super interesting and um, I encourage you to go check out those episodes if you haven't already. But basically food is a mixture of thousands of different types of chemicals that can be either natural or added. You know, some people can't tolerate large amounts of these chemicals and they build up over time as we they eat the foods and all of a sudden sort of reach this threshold, which then once they go over this threshold, experience a myriad of symptoms. It's a very complex area of nutrition. It's also beyond my expertise. My pediatric dietitian, Michelle Saunders, is very experienced in this area and she is the best to talk to if you do need help with a low chemical diet, but it's it's not something you want to run gung-ho into. Amines are actually neurotransmitters. So this adjusting this diet dramatically adjusts, you know, your mental state and, and things like that. So just be really mindful going into something like this that you're in a good spot to be able to one, really focus on yourself and your food choices 
and follow the process from beginning to end so that you can actually get the outcome that you're wanting, which is one, knowing what it is that you're intolerant to and two, how much of it you can tolerate. So that way you know exactly what you can and can't eat moving forward to manage your symptoms. So what should you do if you suspect that you have a food intolerance? Well, firstly, you really shouldn't self-diagnose. So slowly step away from Dr. Google, please. You're right. Back away. Just close that tab. Just do it right now. Right. I self-diagnose all the time. Carter, fun fact, he was a really hot, sweaty baby and Asha wasn't. And so I thought that something was wrong with Carter and I Googled sweaty babies and it came up with that sweaty babies meant congenital heart disease. And then I freaked out and then my husband was like, what did you do? And I was like, I Googled it. And anyway, don't Dr. Google, no self-diagnosing, please. So you might think that you can pinpoint exactly what food is causing your symptoms, but unless you're eating that food or ingredient in isolation, you really can't be sure. No one can, not even a dietitian on their own, like on their own, like for their own food, right? It's, it's really true for food intolerances. Many symptoms of food intolerance actually happen in the lower digestive tract, which is your large intestine. And it takes 12 to 24 hours for food to get there after you've eaten it. And so if you experience symptoms straight after a meal, it's not necessarily that meal that caused the symptoms. It's what you ate, you know, two or three meals ago. And so what happened is, is that the meal caused the food in your whole digestive tract to move along. And, you know, maybe what you ate the day before is now giving you grief. So this is why it's so important. Claire, like I said, is a, a fantastic resource in this area for my team, but all of my team, Michelle, Melissa, Natasha can help you with particularly embarking on a low FODMAP diet. So make sure you get in contact with us if you do need some help because doing it with a qualified dietitian is um, super, super valuable. Lastly, I just want to encourage you that if you are experiencing, you know, gut troubles, a really good place to start is just focusing on seeing if you can improve your overall diet quality, you know, increasing your intake of veggies, you know, fiber, check out my fiber episode on increasing fiber, um, drinking more water, increasing some physical activity, doing some more exercise. Sometimes consistently doing these really small things can actually clear up some gut symptoms by just simply, you know, helping things function that little bit better. Small changes done consistently add up. So don't underestimate that, but certainly reach out to myself or my team if you need some help with understanding and managing your food intolerances. Have a fab day team. Hopefully your tummy doesn't cause you too much trouble today. Catch you in the next episode. After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. My healthy eating program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods, or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. 
Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode. (laughs) 